Stupid Boss Cripples Navy Ships Connectivity. A little more than a decade ago, when I was still active duty U.S. Navy, we were on a deployment and at that point sailing in the Mediterranean Sea. One of my technicians was working on the main interference between ships' internal networks and a satellite. Everything went through this system. Internet, email, messaging, ship-to-shore phones, secure networks, all of it. We'd been having a connection issue with the shore and my boss tells me and my tech to enter a change into the configuration. We do and nothing really happened, so my boss told my tech to enter something different. This goes on for 30 minutes back and forth until I hear this. Change that to this, then restart. I have to copy the running config over. It should take a minute or two. I know how the system works. I'm the one who went to school for it. Just restart it. He went to the school for two versions ago. It's a completely different system, and it didn't work the same. One of the commands he had the tech enter cleared the startup config that they had just written for the last 30 minutes. If we restart, we're going to lose everything in the system, and a reload's going to take way longer. Just do what I tell you to do. The bigger boss needs to get messages out of our next port visit. I had talked to the bigger boss earlier in the day, and he was glad not to have tons of emails coming in and couldn't care less. Just let me test this copy and I'll restart it. Just get out of my way and I'll do it. He walked over to me and said we better open the safe and get the backup ready. We entered our combos into the safe and pulled it, and I looked at the sleeve and the date of the last backup was after we left home port. No big deal. What the heck? I I can't get into anything now. We walk over, disk in hand, and get ready to reload everything. Pop the disk in, pull the file just to visually verify everything, and the file has only the header. Nothing else. I asked the boss, who according to the log did the last backup. It's an easy process, and he usually always took the easy ones because he's the boss if he verified the file before he burnt the disk. What do you think, I'm an idiot? Of course I did everything. Well, there's nothing there now. Tech pulled the other older disk, and we're going to try to rebuild it from there. Uh, there's not an older one. There has to be. We keep two just for this reason. It's not there, man. Go ahead and take a look. I go through every disk in the binder, and he's right. It's gone. I shredded it. We only need the most current. You what? Oh my gosh, hand me the satellite phone, I'll be back. Because the boss wanted to save the ginormous amount of space that a single CD takes up, we were completely disconnected with an empty box of a router. It took me two hours of drop sat calls to a few civilian technicians to get a new config made and sent out via regular mail. Two weeks later, we got the disk in hand and had the system restored in an hour, and the boss was ordered to not touch the system again while stationed on board. Oh man, dude, I don't even know why you would shove the technician out of the way and do it yourself if you have no clue what you're doing. Especially after you shredded the only other backup you have on board. I love how he's like, mm, yeah, this single CD, no, no, taking up way too much space, I gotta throw it overboard. What's going on, guys? It's your boy Scrub here, back again with another video. Hope you guys are having a great day, I know I am. And today I'm gonna be going over the subreddit r slash tales from tech support. It's a pretty fun one, you know, I just love watching boomers be confused with technology. No offense to the boomers. So, uh, yeah, I figured it would make a good video, so without further ado, let's get into it. Are you sure that you want to fire me? A couple years ago, I worked in a big energy infrastructure company. I worked there for over four years, starting out as a technician, but because I'm a very IT-oriented person, I soon find myself doing maintenance and new server room builds. Because of the nature of this industry in my country, I happen to be one of the very few on-site IT support guys in the whole nation. Later, I found myself to be the only one since all the others moved to different positions, and I also regularly did energy production maintenance because of the some reason the company felt like they didn't need a full-time on-site IT support. 
About three and a half years to my employment, I was diagnosed with an illness that affected my production maintenance part greatly. In fact, I couldn't do it at all. I won't go into details, but uh, basically all I could and was still doing on-site IT support and installations since I was the most qualified, and I was also the only one who was doing it at the moment. Our main IT crew was located in another country, but I made friends with most of them in the years of my on-site support. At some point, when equipment was already aged many years, we started having problems with it. I began having jobs hundreds of kilometers away in different maintenance areas as well, because all the other support guys had left. I had a colleague in maintenance that I started to take along for some of the jobs because I really needed some help. Some of the tasks took several days, sometimes even a week of traveling to do it all. He wasn't qualified for IT, but I thought he'd learn as I teach him, and it turned out he actually learned some but was sloppy and got distracted. One time he even got himself electrocuted with the main rails of doing maintenance, but that's a different story. It turns out the company was not happy because of the illness I had and wanted me out. I could still do the IT stuff fine, but since that was not the position they hired me for, they started to give me a hard time. I contacted some of my colleagues abroad and they said they really needed me for IT support and installations, and after some time, the big bosses decided they didn't need me anymore since I was not able to do the work they hired me for. Let me remind you, I was literally the only IT support guy in the whole country qualified to do my job. Some months go by and I'm eventually fired. I tried to fight the termination with the union lawyer with my boss and other colleagues, but there was no luck. I had six months left and then I was out. I had no problem doing the support because my illness didn't affect it, though. Almost immediately after I was no longer working, I started getting phone calls from the colleague I had tried to train for the same job I was doing. He had his hands full with all the stuff I used to do before, but I could clearly tell he had not listened to half of what I told him. He was calling me to ask the most basic questions of how to do maintenance and troubleshooting, and I was dumbfounded that they actually moved this guy to IT support since he had no idea how to do it. And I also recall telling my boss that this guy is not fit for the job. After a while, I heard the local boss, who was nice, was in trouble because he had no qualified IT support for server maintenance, and the guys abroad were asking what happened to me because they needed stuff done. To this date, they still haven't gotten anyone qualified to do the job, and guys abroad have to travel hundreds or thousands of kilometers to do maintenance and installations that I previously completed in hours. I can't see how the company saved money for it. It's crazy how detached most management is from actual work and tasks. Bro, I can't believe that they thought it would literally be cheaper to fly people thousands of miles to install it over a period of days than to just make their full-time IT guy strictly a full-time IT guy. Like, if you're not able to do the other aspects aspects of the job, but you're the only person in the country who can do it, you think they'd be a little smarter before they fired you, or just not fire you. Spare parts? I had a gig supporting a company's mainframes when PCs first started to become popular. The IT director, Bob, whose technical expertise didn't extend much past punch cards and paper tape, decided that no one in his empire should ever have a PC better than his. We got a shipment of new PCs, and of course the first one went onto a table in Bob's office. We were pretty sure he never used it, because every time he went into his office, it's buried under an ever-growing pile of manuals, magazines, memos, and coffee cups. A month went by, and someone needed a replacement keyboard, so after Bob left, we snuck into his office, moved the crap off the PC, and took the keyboard. Then another guy's monitor got wonky, so we took Bob's, and within a few months, we took the memory, hard drive, power supply, coaxial cable, power cable, and all he had left was an empty case. And when the company had a next round of upgrades, Bob was first in line, because he's a power user. 
I just love the idea of this IT director literally never using his computer. Like, you took every part out of it, and yet here he is claiming he's the expert on all things computer. Honestly, it's it's a little bit hysterical that he gave himself a new one, too, not even realizing you guys stole everything. I'm a little bit of a power user myself. Automating your paperwork. Got an old one from back when I worked in a repair depot for a major electronics box store. So when I worked there in college, we did a ton of repairs. Every repair had paperwork. We had to do through an app, entering in serial numbers, product IDs, parts used, etc. This was all fine and good, except we had literally dozens of pallets and massive bins of this certain crappy tablet. These tablets were cheap, and the company's flagship tablet was so revolutionary because it ran Windows. Well, these tablets only had three or four product numbers, usually depending on the size, and they only had one replaceable part. It was a motherboard that was all-in-one and cheap as the rest of the tablet. And that was the only thing you would replace. If the screen was damaged, you failed it and moved on. Battery damaged, you might salvage some screens, but you wouldn't document it since it wasn't a new part. Anyways, these things you could mass repair or fail out. I could fully break down and rebuild one in six minutes at one point. But the paperwork, even with barcodes taped to my desk and a scanner, would slow me down. Naturally, we had quotas, but between testing, getting parts, doing the swap, testing again, and then doing the paperwork, you'd get bogged down and usually miss a few that won't count on day's quota because you missed your paperwork. Paperwork mainly slowed you down due to all the screens you had to go to for each step, just an endless navigation, even to fail a union. So I decided I was in college learning to code, and I wrote a script to read a spreadsheet where I quickly scanned in the basics, pass-fail, product ID, part numbers. I'd do blocks of like 10 tablets, as many as I could fit on my desk and shelves, and scan them in while testing and such. Then at the end of the day, I'd run the script, it would read the boxes, fill in the stuff accordingly, and then close the ticket off, printing pass-or-fail labels for shipping. I'd match them up to the boxes and ship them out. Management didn't like it because it wasn't company-approved. Mid submitted it to the company, but never heard it anything back, so I kept using it regardless because I was turning out the most repairs. Towards the end, I even spread it out to a few people I liked and trusted and taught them how to use it and made sure my work wasn't just gone at the end and could continue saving others from boring paperwork. Truly the hero we need, dude. I just don't really understand why management wouldn't want a system to automate all their paperwork. You made it for them and everything, and they're like, nah, we're not really interested, okay? We're paying you by the hour. That includes your paperwork. You'd be getting a lot more done, and they're like, shut up, Gerald. Are you the manager, or am I? Okay, who's got the name tag? Self-starters. I used to work for a hardware support department at an international investment bank. Most white space work is an ongoing refresh project to update most end users' workstations on a rolling three-year cycle. If the department doesn't want to spend money, however, sometimes they opt for just ordering RAM from us or holding off in the hope that they can get an extra cycle. Come one department. We were swapping the boxes for some team that had been in limbo for a while, and when I came out of the little waif of an analyst, she stopped me after I said I was taking the box. Usually it's some sort of, I'm still working, you can wait. We did it during the day for back office folk because then we can watch them and load their accounts and test their apps in front of us. The process takes 10 minutes, but nah. She logged out and shut down, then crawled under her own desk, unplugged the PC, opened it up, and took the RAM out. This is mine. Where's our RAM? She opened up a desk drawer, and indeed, there were two sticks of ancient, unshielded RAM that we used were there. I didn't know. I should probably report you for messing with your computer, but I'm not even mad. Color me impressed. You knew which kind to buy, too. This was easier than getting my boss to approve upgrades. Well, here's our number. New box uses the same type of RAM, and call us if you end up bitlockering it. 
you'll end up getting better results than running it through the Helldass ticketing process. The best end users are the ones you never see. Bro, are you kidding me? Trying to get any, like, work computer upgraded is the most painful process ever. Anyone with a gaming PC has uh, at least thought about this at least once, you know? One of my managers, when I worked at the grocery store, actually brought in one of his graphics cards, like a really old one, and put it in his work computer. This would be the best person to have if you worked in IT, though. Do what I mean, not what I say. I worked in IT support for a major bank somewhere in the UK. This tale is from long before COVID and working from home. We'd always taken disaster recovery seriously, as long as we had a week's notice of impending disaster, but that's another tragedy. After 9-11, we started planning for business continuity to what would happen if your workplace is compromised. So we acquired a building on the opposite side of the country, kitted it out, wired it up, and we're all set. The first test was a bit ropey, but we improved with practice and made sure to rotate staff and keep everything written down at the recovery site. Skip forward a couple years and I got the alert. It's that time and I have to join the other designated survivors across the country. We all wake, may, make our way across the number called, gain entry to the building and find our desks, power up our desktops, boot to connect, and nothing. That's odd. None of us can connect to the network. One of the network guys has a laptop and dials in, checks that all the network switches have switched, and it's all good. We just can't see it. He starts following the network cable from his PC along the floor to the two-foot by two-foot floor tile where all the cables are concentrated before going underneath the switch and lifts the tile. On the other side, I saw two inches of each cable protruding into an empty space. It was as if someone had taken a pair of shears and just chopped through the lot of them. Which is exactly what happened. Some months previously, it had been decreed that that floor tile must be moved. I think it was to allow for more desks or something. The guy moving it saw the wires when he lifted it and asked about them, and they said, just remove them. Meaning, unplug each cable from the socket on the other side of the tile so they could be replugged later. But the woman's psychic interference was on the fritz, and she only heard the words that that came from the boss's mouth, snip, snip. So yeah, we didn't pass the business continuity test that day. Continuity test, sorry. I mean, to be fair, the boss did say remove the wire, you know. Uh, they didn't say permanently or not. That's the only difference. How did they just get a buzzsaw and cut through all of that, dude? You also know the company couldn't have been happy that they bought this entire building just for somebody to ruin the entire reason it existed in the first place? The ghost in the machine. So a few years ago, I worked at a point of sale company that provided systems to casinos for their various restaurants and snack areas. One such customer called us in a panic that one of their machines was randomly opening cash drawers in one of their snack areas and they're about to get in trouble with the gaming commission. For those that don't know, all casinos are governed by the Casino Gaming Commission that regulates how money, machines, and other various aspects of businesses are run to keep it above board. So I go off about an hour and a half drive out to take a look. As anyone who's gone to work at casino security is so much fun. I checked my ID with them and I was allowed a guest pass and then had to wait about 10 minutes for a security guard to come escort me. First, they take me to the security camera room and show me the recordings of the drawer opening on both its own and with people around and without. Once I am fully confused, then I am shown to the area in question, which is another thing that they have to be with you the whole time, no matter how long it takes you. As a side note for anyone who has gotten this far, I've already ruled out any viruses or hacks purely because the system is ran on CE and they would have needed to get past the main firewall and a few other hurdles to get in. So I show up and go to work on the machines. I start testing things and drawers pop up 
just fine. There were other two drawers on the machine. All the connections look fine, and I start taking apart the drawer to see if maybe there's a short in there. Of course, as soon as I pull it out, there's $1 bills shoved at the back, so I have to stop what I'm doing and wait for a second security guard to come and put on a show for the camera to make sure the whopping $3 is safe. Once that 15 minutes was over, I went back to checking everything out. I just love the idea of these like two ginormous six foot seven casino security guards, and they're like, what's going on in there? Are you being weird with the money? He's like, no, the register keeps opening because you guys are shoving so much money in it that it can't close. What a problem to have, you know? That's why gambling doesn't pay, kids. Remember, casinos are literally rolling in your money. Whoops! Way back in the old days when I was a developer, I wrote a system to generate statistics and reports from a live data stream. When I was developing it, I had no access to the actual data stream, just speculation for the format it was in. So to test my software, I wrote a small program to replicate the data with random data just to do what I could to check it was calculating correctly. The program was put into use and the whole department loved it. Fast forward a year and I got a request to do some changes. I called up the original program listing, and to my horror, I discovered that I forgot to switch off the random data generator. This means they had been receiving bogus stats for almost a year and nobody even noticed. So I made the changes, switched off the numbers, and recompiled everything and said nothing. I mean, if none of the workers noticed or said anything, I don't really think that's entirely on you, right? Like, they were just getting bullcrap data for a year and didn't notice, I feel like somebody in that office needs to be paying a little bit more attention. I mean, sure, you shouldn't have wrote it wrong, but it's kind of on them for not noticing it for months and months and months. Try printing it upside down. Late on one particular night, I received a call from a longtime customer, long enough to predate the opening of my business. I'd recently helped him with an OS update on his PC. And he's mostly been fine getting things set up, he preferred to do it himself without additional help from me. As our story starts though, he calls me up because he needs help printing something, but the printer isn't working. As I, and I'm sure many other IT techs can attest, printers are one of the banes of our existence. Printers are a box-shaped demon with ink toner for blood that can always find a way to frustrate even the most experienced tech wizard, and fortunately, my client issues tonight turned out to be a straightforward issue that was resolved quickly. Unfortunately, though, that's also part one. The client wants me to demonstrate the printer is working by helping him print out three particular pages of a document, in this specific case, pages 3, 4, and 17. No big deal, I remoted to his PC, loaded it up, and tell him to pick and print three cherry-picked pages. Over the call, I can hear his printer spit to life and the sounds of printers moving over and over. All good, I think. Only there's a catch. According to the client, 4 and 17 didn't print anything. I asked the client if he means the printer stopped printing after page 3, but apparently that was wasn't the case. The printer had page, or printed page 3 seamlessly, but then just printed two blank pieces of paper. My first thought was that the printer had probably run out of ink, but, you know, sadly this was not the case. Page 3 had been printed perfectly the first time and subsequent times, and printing a color test page worked perfectly too. But given pages 4 and 17 of this cursed document, it really was printing nothing. Over the course of the call, we tried just about everything. Changing the ink density, scaling settings, turning both the PC and printer on and off again, even exporting the pages to separate PDF files or JPEG or PNG images. The results were the same every time. The printer would fire up, you could hear the printer heads moving, but it simply wouldn't put ink to paper. It would spit out a blank page, and something about the content of this print job was making the printer refuse to put ink to the paper, and it seemed like there was no solution. After about an hour of grasping at straws, we were both ready to give up when the client made a suggestion. Try printing it upside down. 
I exported the pages to images, rotated it 180 degrees, and sent it to the Evil Magic printer box, and it printed perfectly. Genuinely, man, I don't even understand how the printer even started thinking like that. No, I'm not gonna print anything until you flip it upside down, and then I'm just gonna work. This really is how it feels sometimes to be trying to fix a computer issue, dude. You're just banging your head on the wall. You're 17 Google pages deep into trying to fix this issue, and nothing's working. After you bang your head on the wall, though, I guess it shakes the desk somehow, and the PC starts to work. I just feel like IT is one of those things where, yeah, 90% of the time it's a quick fix, but that like 10% of the time where it's going to take you all day is probably some of the most frustrating things ever, just trying to get a printer to print the stupid piece of paper. Anyways, guys, I think that's going to do it for the video. Hopefully you enjoyed. If you did enjoy the video, I would appreciate you taking a quick second to press the like button. Let me know in the comments section down below what you thought. If you want more Tales from Tech Support, be sure to leave a comment. And uh, yeah, other than that, if you really, really want to help me out, I do post this content on my Spotify show. Link to it will be in the top of the description if you want to listen offline without gameplay, whatever floats your boat, check it out. Or you could use code SCRUBBY at the G Fuel checkout. Great way to get a discount. Help me out too. And uh, yeah, on that note, guys, that'll do it. I'm going to go fight my printer now if anybody needs me. Don't get anyone pregnant. If you do, make sure they're hot. And hopefully I will see each and every single one of you guys next time with another video. I'm out. Peace.